Welcome to 900 Eklund Avenue. This is the podcast for the Eklund Avenue Church of Christ. What follows is the service from July 30th, 2023. Thank you and God bless. Sorry about that. Let's turn to 108. 
Debbie and Amy. And we continue to remember Chuck and Stephen and Ray and Stina and Wes. Please be with all of those who are sick and who are in treatment and provide comfort to them. We are so thankful again for all that you have done for us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. <coughs> Supplement book, number 27. Probably familiar to most everybody here. Simple reminder because at the top of the page it says something different, but we usually start with altos and add bases, then tenors, then sopranos. And I'll sing the alto.
but one that, that mirrors the, the church that Manuel and his family are involved in down in El Salvador. Um, and and we, we share their grief and, and their concern uh, from afar this morning. Uh, Lord, I, I don't know that there is anything that shows the brokenness of this world uh, more than cancer. Lord, it is. It is evil and cruel. <clears throat> and we hate it, Lord. Um, we, we know that you remain faithful, and, and so we, we lift Manuel up to you. Uh, Lord, we pray for healing there. We, we pray uh, that this tumor can be reduced and, and uh, that the doctors don't even know what to attribute it to other, other than you. Lord, we pray for his healing. Uh, but we pray also for his peace and his comfort. Lord, he, he is a faithful servant. He has served you and, and that church well his entire adult life. And, and we pray uh, for, for that church uh, during this time um, where, where they're upset and, and confused. Um, we pray that we might all be instruments uh, of your peace and, and of your comfort. Lord, that we can, can take care of Manuel and his family uh, during this time. Lord, we do pray for his treatments. We pray for the doctors who are working with him. Um, Lord, I, I know the medical care available in El Salvador is not the medical care available other places. And yet we, we pray for, for those doctors uh, who are working with him. Uh, Lord, we look forward to a day when, when you have made everything whole. Lord, when, when all of us are restored um, to your perfect vision uh, of how things will be in the new heavens and new earth. Lord, continue to be with Manuel, be with his, his wife, his daughters, his congregation, and all of those who love him. It's through your son's name we pray. Amen. <coughs> pose this question as we begin this morning. Which of the Ten Commandments do you think we break the most? <laughs> Which of the Ten Commandments do you think we break the most? So, so quick refresher, and I'm not trying to impress you. I looked over it to make sure I had them all right. Okay. Ten Commandments. Okay. No other gods before me. Uh, no idols. Don't misuse the name of the Lord. Uh, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Honor your father and murder. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, and covet. Which of the ten do you think we break the most? I think you could argue that we break the idolatry a lot. You know, we don't 
like have idols like they had, but yet we kind of have idols, like we have our stuff. Um, you could make the argument that, that we covet a lot. I find every time I get on Amazon, I end up coveting something, right? Okay. But the case I want to make this morning is that in our culture, and specifically I'm thinking about American Christianity, the Ten Commandments, the, Ten Commandments, the one that we break the most, is the Sabbath. And I think we break that the most because we've told ourselves we don't even have to try. Like it's not even bonding on us. And I want to make the case this morning that it is in many ways not bonding on us, but that it in many ways is good for us. And I want to try to toe this line with some of the things I want to say this morning as we, as we think about the Sabbath. Even as I began the message talking about the Ten Commandments, I know a lot of us can immediately say, commandments, rules, laws. We have a very complicated relationship with rules and laws. Specifically, once again, in American Christianity. In America, we're like, we don't know how we feel about rules and laws. We like them for other people, just not as much for us, right? We like putting signs in our yard, slow down, kids play here, you know, type of thing. And yet, when we get pulled over for going just 10 miles over, we're like, this seems like the most unjust thing that's ever happened in the world, right? I mean, why do we have all these laws and rules? And specifically in faith, for those of us that might have a background in legalism, and what I mean by legalism is people going around in a very pharisaical type of way, trying to find people that are breaking the slightest rule, and a lot of these rules are very tangential to the Bible, but there are rules. I was thinking about camp this week. Some of us might were telling stories about, remember when it was controversial whether or not you could wear shorts at church camp, and we were telling stories like that. Kids will catch up on those stories another time. But um, if you have any experience with legalism in church settings, just the idea of commands and laws can be problematic. And yet, Jesus' guidance for us is good for us. Like, it's really good for us. Our gospel reading this morning is going to come from Matthew. We're going to read it together in just a second. It's in our bulletin. In the passage, Jesus is going to refer to a yoke. And so the mere phrase where he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to picture yoke as, as something that they would put on their cattle or their ox when they would work the fields. And it was, it was to guide them. It was, it was a load, but it was a load to guide them. And rabbis and teachers would use that as kind of a term for their rule of faith, their laws, their guidelines, okay? For some of you, you have some mentor or life coach that you follow when it, if you're trying to get in shape or lose weight, you're trying to get better playing the piano, you're trying to learn some new skill, there's a mentor, there's a wise sage you're following, and you are putting their yoke upon yourself, you know, five ways to be more productive this week, or whatever it is, okay? You're putting their guidelines upon yourself. And so when rabbis would recruit disciples, they would say, this is our yoke, this is our teaching that we're going to lay out there. There is a, there's an interpretation that's popular that has a little bit of truth in it, but it's really an unwise teaching that says Jesus came into a setting with lots of rules, and Jesus was the type of person that was against any type of rules. 
Okay? And, and there's a hint of truth in that, but it's not really what Jesus was doing. What Jesus is doing is he's bringing a different type of yoke, a different type of rule of life, that is indeed a healthy rule of life. So let's read this together. If you would stand with me. This passage comes from Matthew 11, 28-30. It doesn't have the word Sabbath in it, but I believe one of the things Jesus is thinking about is the Sabbath, and we'll connect it here in a second. The entire reading is bolded. If you want to join with me, the entire reading from Matthew 11, 28-30, together. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Normally, we interpret, at least I think about my background, we interpret this passage when Jesus says, my yoke is easy. We interpret that in a spiritual way, this idea of spiritual rest, in the sense of we are saved by grace, and we are saved by faith. We cannot earn our way into God's favor. We cannot be perfect enough that finally God says, hey, these people are finally good enough for me to love them. Larry's been leading us in songs about God's love. God always loves us, and God's love is unconditional. Okay, And so this rest we're invited to is, is a spiritual rest, free from having to constantly try to strive to please God. And yet there's a physical dimension to this rest, too. We've talked about this throughout um, this recent series we've been doing, that we should not separate the physical and the spiritual for in the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ, God brings the physical and spiritual together. So when Jesus talks about a rest in this passage, it is a spiritual rest, but it's also a physical rest, a rest that many of you, I can tell, need. <laughs> Whether it's getting, getting over camp this week or just other things as we, as we finish up a busy summer. As we've been doing all summer, we've been doing a series we've entitled Origin Stories. We're talking about the first three chapters of the Bible, the first three chapters of Genesis. And we've been talking about the genre of this writing. We've been talking about the proverbial faith and science conversation. What does it mean that humans are creating the image of God? What does it mean that we're male and female? Last week, we talked about the fact that we are called to care for the earth. And we talked about the stewardship of God's creation. Next week, we're going to talk about work. Today, we're talking about rest or Sabbath. As we see in the reading from Genesis 1 that Justin Meyer read this morning, when it gets to the seventh day, and let's be clear, this is the crescendo of the reading in Genesis 1. When it gets to the seventh day, what does God do? God rests. Does God need to rest? I think most of us have a view of an omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God that does not need to rest. And yet God does rest. What do these ancient stories tell us? They tell us about who God is and the nature of God. In God's nature is rest. In God's identity is rest. Now, one of the interpretations of how these stories came together, and it's the interpretation that, that I kind of lean towards, I could be wrong for sure, is that a lot of these stories, they've been passing down through oral tradition for a long time. 
The Holy Spirit's working in this, okay? My view of how the Bible comes together, it didn't float down, okay, in the English language to us, right? It, it, it demands a very robust embrace of the Holy Spirit on how our Bible came together, and I believe God had a hand in all that. They've been passing down all these stories, and my belief is that after they leave Egypt, after over 400 years of slavery, and they're in there this wilderness time, they begin to put some of these stories together, and they would write them on, on uh, plants that they would dry out or animal skin. And they compose Genesis 1 as this dynamic intro, this dynamic intro to the, all the stories. Okay, so it's kind of like the preamble to all the stories that are going to come after it. Is this poetic, just beautiful thing that comes in Genesis 1, inspired by the Holy Spirit in every way. Okay? Why does that make a difference for the interpretation? Who is being led by the Holy Spirit and pinning Genesis 1, which climaxes in the Sabbath? Freed slaves. Who had never, ever been able to rest. You've read Exodus. Pharaoh would make them go get their own play for the bricks, right? Pharaoh was not inclined to give days off. Pharaoh was not inclined to give holidays. Pharaoh was not inclined to give paid leave, okay, these types of benefits, okay? They worked all the time. Soul-sucking, bone-crushing work. And when they were finally liberated, and God's revealing himself at Mount Sinai, God is telling them, I'm a God of rest, and you were not created to work forever. Remember, we compare this to other ancient Near Eastern stories. Where humans, in other ancient Near Eastern creation stories, humans were often depicted as slaves. And one reason that other people groups would justify enslaving other people groups is they would say, well, that's what the gods created you for. You were created to be a slave. And they would justify it under that guise. Yahweh God says, you were not created to be a slave. You were created to be a child of God. And you should rest. You were created for rest. Notice how they would practice this. And you've probably studied this before. In the wilderness time period is the first mention we have of the Sabbath. We don't have any mention of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob practicing Sabbath. Okay? But they start to practice Sabbath during the wilderness period. And their Sabbath would start Friday sundown. It would be Friday night and then all day Saturday. You've probably heard the story of manna, how God would provide manna. And they would go out of their tents and they would gather manna. But they were not supposed to gather it on the Sabbath, Saturday the seventh day, because they were supposed to rest. And they were supposed to remember that God created the world. We did not create the world. <laughs> God created the world. And when you rest and you stop, and that's one really good translation of the word Sabbath is just simply stop. It was their stop day. You can just picture a stop sign every time you get to Saturday. Okay, And they would stop and they would remember, I did not create myself. Existence does not depend on me. When I don't do anything, the, the earth keeps spinning. Like things keep happening. It doesn't all depend on me. Now, 
when Jesus comes in the Gospels, he interacts with the Sabbath a lot. And as you know, he gets in trouble about the Sabbath a lot. Because they've had a thousand years or more to dialogue about what it means to rest on the Sabbath. Do rules normally get shorter or longer over time? They get longer, okay? I remember the years uh, when I was a youth minister. The first rule I would always make, I was like, I'm not going to be one of these people with a bunch of rules. So I would just be like, hey, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> that was my main rule. But then, you know, somebody threw a water balloon out of a van. So I was like, hey, two rules now. Don't do anything stupid and don't throw water balloons out of vans, right? And over time, the rules got longer and longer because of things people were doing. So they developed all these rules over time about what it meant to rest, okay? If my ox falls in a well, can I go get it out on the Sabbath? And they had all these rules. Now, the power players of the day used the rules as a way to control other people. Now, you are wise enough to know and to recognize when rules are good and healthy and when rules are simply a power play. Have you been in a setting where rules were just a power play? Yes. Okay. All the kids are like, I'm about to go back to school. That's what school feels like. Okay. <laughs> the Pharisees were viewing the rules as simply a power play, trying to control people. And so when Jesus would heal the sick on the Sabbath, their power was threatened. Jesus was breaking the Sabbath. Jesus wasn't really breaking the Sabbath. Jesus was breaking their definition of the Sabbath. So Jesus will say things like, humans were not created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for humans. Meaning, the Sabbath is a good thing for you. We didn't create the Sabbath and then say, how can we fit humans into it? God created humans and then said, I'm going to give the Sabbath to them as a blessing. A popular notion, which I respectfully disagree with, is that Jesus is anti-Sabbath. I personally don't believe Jesus is anti-Sabbath. I believe Jesus was anti how they did Sabbath. Because Jesus never says, hey, quit doing this Sabbath thing. It's legalistic. He's basically saying, quit doing it the way they're doing it. Okay? So, how can we rest and do Sabbath well? Very quickly, these are four different ways that the Sabbath has taken root throughout Christian history. One way has been to continue to do it on Saturday, and to have a Saturday Sabbath. Over the last couple of years, I've become good friends with uh, the Jewish rabbi over on the West End at the Orthodox Synagogue, Rabbi Saul Strasberg. He'll come talk to uh, my students over at Lipscomb University every semester and just talk to them about the Jewish faith and, and what it means. Students will always ask him about the Sabbath. Does he practice the Sabbath? And he always smiles when he talks about the Sabbath. And he'll get just kind of giddy and start laughing. And he'll say, the Sabbath is the greatest thing. It's the best day of the week. And he just has so much energy. He doesn't have a, oh, God has given us one more rule. Like, it is a joyful day. And he walks to synagogue. He lives close enough. Uh, a number of Jews will live on West End or close by so they can walk, the Orthodox walk to, to synagogue. So some Christians throughout history have continued this and they rest on Saturday. You've probably had friends that are Seventh-day Adventists, okay? 
uh, and they continue to practice a literal Saturday Sabbath. I had a, a number of students and friends who were Seventh-day Adventists. Um, I read a study recently that one study said people that are Seventh-day Adventists live on average 10 years longer. Maybe a reason to consider it, right? Okay, I didn't double check the study. Okay, but living longer. One of my favorite stories, I'll tell you real quick about Seventh-day Adventists. When I was growing up um, and playing high school basketball, to be clear, I was on the team, but normally sitting on the bench watching my friends play high school basketball. But anyway, when I was playing high school basketball, one of our big rivals and one of the best basketball teams in the state was MLK. A number of you go to MLK. And their two best players were Seventh-day Adventists. In high school basketball at that time, you'd play Tuesday and Friday nights. So when we get the basketball schedule, we would always run and grab it. And we prayed we got them on a Friday because that meant their two best players couldn't play. We'd always get them on Tuesday to upset me. Anyway, they are really good this one year. They got all the way to the state tournament and the state semifinal was on a Friday afternoon before Sunday. So their two best players played. They won and went to the state championship. But their two best players couldn't play and they won anyway without him and I ran into their coach a few years ago who was a pastor and we told that story he talked about those two young men who were brothers and just what that season meant when they stood up for their faith and said it's against our faith practice to play in this game even though it's the state championship and the team won anyway anyway that's my favorite seventh-day Adventist story but I tell that to say some continue to do a Saturday Sabbath most Christians, and this happened really early on in Christian history, transitioned to a Sunday Sabbath because Sunday is the day of the resurrection. So Sunday was a special day. To be clear, many, many Christians in early times were slaves or very poor and weren't able to rest on the Sabbath. But Sunday was a special day, and for many people throughout history, Sunday has been a type of Sabbath. The third way people have practiced it, so Saturday or Sunday, third way, a lot of people have done what I call a flexible Sabbath, <laughs> meaning I know I need to take time to rest. Sometimes it happens Sunday, sometimes it happens other days. I just look at my schedule, I'll look at my life, and I'll make sure I'm spending enough time to rest. The fourth way, and this was the most common, I think, with a lot of people I knew growing up, was spiritualizing the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is not a physical thing, our closing reading from Hebrews is going to talk about how we are brought into a Sabbath rest. A lot of people spiritualize that, and it was normally interpreted as we don't have to earn our salvation anymore. We rest in the love of God, which I believe is true. But I also think there's something about a physical rest that's good for us as well, and it reminds us of that spiritual rest. I would encourage us all to consider the power of taking a break. In resting because God is a God of rest very quickly here are four barriers to people like us practicing the Sabbath when you see people and people say hey how you doing haven't seen you all hey what you been up to how often do you say oh I've been busy I say that all the time now, sometimes I say that because I don't know what to say. You know, there's these awkward, hey, what's up? I'm doing good. You know, it's just kind of like what you normally say in conversations. But sometimes I say I'm busy because I think that's what I'm supposed to say. So I think in American culture, 
Busy is good. It's good to be busy. Stay busy. We can even uh, deconstruct what's often known as the Protestant work ethic, this idea that good Christians should be busy, should be busy serving the Lord. And there's, once again, there's a hint of truth in some of that. But there is an identity of work, and we'll speak to this more next week. There is an identity of work in this culture, and if you take the Sabbath, it will test your identity. Because you will wonder, well, who am I? If I'm not productive today, well, then who am I? And it kind of hits at your core. Second, we have to realize human limits. Oftentimes I think, well, I'll get all of my work done so I can take a Sabbath. I normally find more work to do. I rarely get to a point where I'm like, everything in my life is finished. <laughs> I can now Sabbath. To take a Sabbath means you have to realize your limits and you can't do it all. You just can't. Thirdly, it's the fear of missing out. If I'm going to take a rest, but oh, this is happening, or this is happening, or I could do this. It's that fear of missing out that sometimes makes it hard for us to take a rest. And then lastly, a lot of you have jobs that the more you work, the more you get paid. And so to Sabbath means you're going to make less money. And I want to be clear, some people can't afford to make less money. And that's real. We're not trying to do a new type of legalism when it comes to this. And yet, there may be a time where it says, for the good of my walk with the Lord, for the good of what it means for me to be human, for the good of my family and my neighbors, I need to work a little less because I need to rest. One of the books that's been very helpful to me in this study is a book by John Mark Comer, who was a pastor for years in Portland, Oregon, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I'm going to read two quotes he puts in this book um, from other people. One is by um, Walter Brueggemann, an Old Testament scholar who, who has an entire book called Sabbath as Resistance, which is quite good. But he has this line, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. Something happens when you Sabbath well. Whatever that looks like for you, I am not trying to tell you how to Sabbath. But when you rest, you begin to live out of that rest. About a year ago, I took a sabbatical from this church. with sabbatical, same route as Sabbath. And I was gone for a month. And part of that, I went to Israel. And part of that is I just did a lot of hiking and yard work. And it was amazing. And I really didn't talk to y'all for a month. And um, just, just rested. And so many times this year where people ask me, hey, how you doing? I kept thinking, you know how I'm doing? I continue to live out of the well of that Sabbath. Throughout the past year as I went to drink, I felt like my cup was always full. And why was it full? It's because I'd taken a month to rest. I know that a month to rest was a privilege. I am not naive about that, okay? But there was such a wealth. When you take time off every week, however long that is, maybe it's a whole day, maybe it's a few hours, there will be a well that you can come back to the whole week. Another quote that he offers, and this is from A.J. Swoboda. It's a longer quote. He says, The Sabbath has largely been forgotten by the church, which has uncritically mimicked the rhythms of the industrial and success-obsessed West. The result? 
Our road-weary, exhausted churches have largely failed to integrate Sabbath into their lives as vital elements of Christian discipleship. It is not, it is not as though we do not love God. We love God deeply. We just do not know how to sit with God anymore. It's not that we don't love God. We don't know how to sit with God. And he continues, We have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. And I want to read that again. We have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. So what is, what is the solution to that? When we look at these ancient origin stories, we look at them as the Holy Spirit is speaking through them. Our God is a God of rest. And if we want to be the image of God and live flourishing lives, we need to rest. This may be Saturday for you. This may be Sunday. It may be a few hours here and there. Here's what I'm going to guess. The easiest way for you to practice Sabbath for most of you, is probably going to be to connect it some way to Sunday. I'm not putting a burden on anyone. The easiest way for most of you to connect with the Sabbath will be to connect it to Sunday. And I would encourage you, make Sunday a special day. I have fond memories of Sunday growing up. My dad would make cinnamon rolls every Sunday morning. We'd go to church together. We'd have a special meal where we would talk about all that had happened in and around worship, all the good church gossip and all that stuff. And then my parents would take a Sunday nap, and my parents were hard workers, and I have very little memory of them working on Sundays. Um, it was a slower-paced day. Um, I try really hard. I, in my, like my dad, I, I wanted to do what my dad did, so I started making cinnamon rolls. And uh, my family told me there was no protein in it. And I, I never grew up thinking of food as protein or carbohydrates or whatever. But anyway, um, I found something with protein that I make for them on Sunday mornings. And then it is a special day. I am happy on Sundays. And on Sunday afternoons, I, I do not check email. Uh, the elders and I, we're tempted to like want to text each other and talk about new people that were church or things that happen on Sunday. We've made a commitment to each other unless it's an emergency. We don't text till Sunday night. So we want Sunday to be relaxed. I love taking naps. Let's, let's be real here. Show of hands, who loves a Sunday afternoon nap? Amen, church. We're doing this well, okay? Um, I'll catch a Titans game. I'll go for a walk. Um, Sunday afternoon is, is sacred. And about 4 o'clock normally, uh, I start getting ready for small group, but I tell you, it rarely feels like work because I just enjoy being with y'all. And I know those of you that host small group, it, it can be work for sure. And yet there's this joy of just, it's a different day and we're together. Sabbath teaching is good for us. We should not become new Pharisees and walk around and call each other out and I catch Larry mowing his yard on a Sunday afternoon and we don't need to be that type of Sabbath keepers and yet it's good for us to rest because what we do when we rest is we remind ourselves that Jesus has done it all the price has been paid everything is accomplished Jesus will come back and all of our work comes out of this rest that we receive from Jesus
Before Larry leads us in song, I want you to hear these words from Jesus. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's stand together and sing. Change of number, have to sing this song, 107. 107. And like our older blue book did, first just the front out of and then everybody sings the chorus.
communion 691. Jesus died for everyone. 
Jesus came to this earth. Jesus taught. He fed. Um, he was friends with everyone. It didn't matter who they were. He was nice to people that a lot of guys his age at his time wouldn't necessarily been nice to. But that's who he was. And that's who we think about at this time. Um, we're at the Lord's table. We're here as family to think about Jesus. And so even as we, we're going to go pass trays out, I want you to think of it like you're at home with family. You're passing trays. You know, there's food going around. I want you to know that you're welcome, that everyone is welcome. Jesus died for everyone. I want you to know that, you know, we think about creation. God rested when he knew that creation was good and it was, it was finished. It was ready. I want you to know that in Jesus' life, in his death, in his resurrection, that our ability to reconcile with God is ready. It's ready. It really is ready. You can rest knowing that Jesus did the hard stuff. That we can just be. That the food is ready. That we can live and love and just relax. I want you to just... Please try to relax. And I realize it's hard when you've got small children. It's a great example of, oh, man, you know, stuff is still hard, you know. But here we are. We're a family together, and, and, and we're just, just, just be at this time. Let's pray. Holy Father, we're thankful for what you've done for us. God, we're so grateful for Jesus, and I pray that um, we could be more like him. I pray that... We could understand what it means to take on this yoke. God, help us at this, help us at this time bless this bread. Thank you again for its, the blessing of it and the preparation of it. God, help us. Just let me pray. Amen.
if you would please pray with me again. Father, we're grateful for, just as we're grateful for the body that was broken and the bread, God, we're thankful for your son's blood that was spilled for us. And as we think about it, partake um, as we um, drink this juice. God, just help us to get us to begin to emulate Jesus and to know that know the joy and the peace that we can be reconciled with you and we can live better lives and know that we are loved. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
start out this morning with a, a, a few opportunities for some smiles. What do you call a huge pile of cats? Anybody participate in this? A meowton. <laughs> this is this does about rest too. I want you to know that I do so good at sleeping that I can do it with my eyes closed. I got one a little bit later for you. Maybe it'll be better. Um, I want to point out uh, uh, on the back of the bulletin, you've got a lot of a lot of dates and everything that's on there. Uh, things to be note of. Uh, something that I noticed is there's a whole lot of mention of small groups in there. You know, uh, we are constantly looking to tweak small groups uh, and make them best for those who are participating or who want to participate. So if you do, if, if you didn't participate last last time and you want to participate, <laughs> you can let Anne Marie and I know. Uh, and, We've got some connections. We'll get you in there. Um, and or if uh, you want to host or do something a little bit different than what you did last year, let us know. Uh, so that that way we can plug away and get everybody included as possible. I do also want to point out September 8th through the 10th, 10th prayer retreat. Talk about rest. That is uh, a very restful time. Uh, and I, I 
recommend it if you've never done it, or if you just want to refresh it. Let's go to important things. Judah was trying to tell me about it. Today is Erica's birthday. She needs lots of love from everybody. Um, she doesn't need to get coffee or donuts. She just needs to be talking to somebody for the entire time because Anna Marie and I get Judah, and that's a little birthday present for you. Uh, we also got a few other dates here, uh, quite a few anniversaries. Paul and Amy, 24, congratulations. You're almost to 25. Jonathan, Rachel, well done on the birthdays. Keep them very close there. You can exchange gifts in the middle. You'll be fine. Matt and Laura, 26. Uh, and then we've got Perkins uh, celebrating a birthday here. And then another Matt, Matt and Laura, look at that, coming up in the rear on the anniversaries, but you're almost there, you're doing good. Uh, Encounter, great, thank you to all the, all the people who participated in that. Uh, we've got a few other, other than Brandon, you know, Rebecca did great in, in healing our kids or making sure they didn't pass out. Uh, at least that's what I hear. Mary Paul Thornton, Isaiah Wagner, Step It Up, Campers of the Week for the Senior Group, so thank you guys. Do want to remind you that you got a chance to uh, visit uh, with Dot Eubanks this Wednesday. Uh, the address is in there, and we'd love to have you there with us. Uh, and then this is, I could participate this year. I'm really excited about this, but uh, a really cool ceremony that I can't remember not having, and I look forward to it every year, uh, is the, uh, the school blessing that's coming up. So really like you to participate in that. Um, two more things. One thing, Stina, thank you so much for your emails this, this past week. Stina had lost something, she asked for prayers, and she found something. And to me, uh, you know, in reading all that, I thought, you know what, that's a mustard seed right there. I doubt all the time, I quit, I give up. Stina did not, and she asked for help, and it came to fruition. So that, that means a lot to me. Uh, and so thank you, Stina, for sharing your faith with us. JP, you're interrupting my flow. <laughs> Stina asked me to mention in correlation with that, that uh, she's so grateful to me and pray that she's able to find a flat. But she brought uh, treats to share this morning. This is about the coffee. She said, where the coffee cup and a bunch of extra treats she brought just to celebrate the finding of the flat drive. Look at that. Look at that. Have a party. Thank you, Stina. Um, and then uh, this, this ties it all in here, okay? What did the Ackland kids say to their parent? Donut hold me back. Oh. <laughs> Wait, we got one more now. So we got one more now. Um, so parent of youth 900 You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, a podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, 
Our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.